So, we are here in the final week of the series. Uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. It's Halloween, which is a cool thing to be here for. Um, my mom was just here all weekend, so I'm ready to be here with you guys. Um, it, I'm not going to say that because she listens. And uh, I appreciate those that came in costume. We'll have the contest later. I appreciate you guys being here. I've really liked this series uh, because I like to do things that are a little different. And so, like, I've never heard someone talk about, say, the ghost with Saul. And I really like that. And so, this week, we're going to do something. One of the scriptures I'm talking about, everyone has talked about, but I'm going to hopefully focus on it a different way. Uh, the other one, not many people do. But the point of this series was not just to have, like, Halloween-y stuff for the, the month, although that was a major point, but to talk about different parts of the Bible. Because one of the things that you'll hear a lot as you're growing up in the church is you should read the Bible. You need to read the Bible, blah, blah, blah. And most of the people that, that we, uh, when we hear that, we picture picking up the Bible like a book, like Chronicles of Narnia, and starting at page one and just going through. Uh, and that's entirely possible. And especially like as you go through Genesis, you'll find it's kind of a fun chapter like it's got a lot of different stories and a lot of different characters and it's really cool but then as you go a little farther and you get to like Leviticus and numbers it's very very hard very very hard to get through all of that and so when I say read the Bible when other people say read the Bible we just mean be in the Bible so start read something like Proverbs or like these scriptures like to look at different ways look at the Bible in different ways um this week we are talking about Night of the Living Dead so we're going to talk a little bit about zombies in the Bible which is cool but just to kind of recap the series so far, we started uh, by talking about the ghost. Um, you will hear a lot on TV in real life about, like, do ghosts exist, blah, blah, blah. I can't answer that. What I can say is that there is an actual ghost in the Bible. Uh, Samuel, as a ghost, came and talked to Saul. And Saul did that. King Saul did that because he missed the good old days. His problem was that he was remembering them wrong. Because as he'd gotten older and gotten away from God and his life had gotten worse, he's like, man... Things used to be better for me, and they kind of were, but still Samuel uh, was never, like, he never lied to him. Samuel was like, dude, you, you kind of suck right now. Are you doing this wrong? And so calling Samuel, he was thinking back to where he was the king with no questions and where David wasn't about to overtake him and all of these things. And so he called Samuel, like, in his mind, he kind of remembered it as Samuel's going to come and he's going to, everything's going to go back to normal. It's going to go back to the way that I want it. Um, and Samuel came and is like, dude, you've fallen away from God, like this is over. And that's not what he wanted to hear. And so he just kind of fell down and cried and he was so scared and it was crazy um, because he couldn't face that he had changed. He wanted everything else to be what had changed. He couldn't face that he uh, hadn't grown. He couldn't face that he was holding tightly to the past and to the way he'd always done things and that he ignored God and he started just listening to himself. One of the things that I say a lot is, if uh, God calls you to have an apple for breakfast and you wake up and you have an apple and the next day he says have an apple for breakfast and you wake up and you have an apple and then the next day you have an apple for breakfast and you wake up, you have an apple. The fourth day, a lot of people wake up and they have that apple because that's the way they've done it and God called them and he's like, hey, you have an orange and people are like, eh, I don't, it's weird, this is what I do. And you get stuck in that and King Saul had gotten stuck in that. Um, we talked then about the possession, the conjuring, the possession of the guy that was living down by the the cemetery who was naked and chained and crazy and just really hurt and really scary and people didn't like him obviously for those reasons and uh jesus came and uh called him and talked to him as a person but the demon like called him out demon legion several demons and so the way the crowd was looking at that is they saw the demon talking to jesus and knowing his name and they saw jesus kind of not casting out and doing all the stuff you see in like the, the movies and TV shows and just kind of being there because 
from their perspective, they're like, well, the demon knows his name and he's got this because that was the Jewish tradition. Uh, and so they see Jesus like not taking it seriously like you'd see in a movie or a TV show. But Jesus, the reason he wasn't, it's not that he wasn't taking it seriously, but he's like, I've, I've got this. Like God is over everything. God is stronger than anything. I can stand up to anything with God. And so he wasn't worried about it because it was already decided as it was. Um, but people got so caught up again in what they expected, what they thought would happen, that they didn't pay attention to what was happening. Um, the Last week we talked about the hand, the invisible hand, the mystery hand, the ghostly hand, the haunting hand that started writing on the, the wall. And that's where we get the writing on the wall. But uh, the king at the time was like, oh my gosh, I need somebody to come in. And so the first people he called in were people that would tell him what he wanted to hear. But finally Daniel comes in and he's like, hey, this basically says that you suck and you're going to lose your power and blah, blah, blah. And that happened. And he had promised rewards. He had promised people all of this and all of that and everything. Uh, but Daniel just did it because it was right. If you do something for a reward or you do something to please someone or you just tell people what they want to hear, that's not going to work out. And so Daniel, he got the reward even though that's not why he did it. But then the king died and he lost it because that's not why he did it. So he didn't care. So it's important to follow what you think is right and to do what you think is right. This week, we're going to talk about the Night of the Living Dead. And we're going to start with a passage from Zechariah uh, 14, which is Rob's favorite book, 14, 12 through 15. And the Lord will send a plague on all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Their people will become like walking corpses, or walking dead, their flesh rotting away. Their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongues will rot in their mouths. On that day, they will be terrified, stricken by the Lord with great panic. They will fight their neighbors hand to hand. Uh, Judah, too, will be fighting at Jerusalem. The wealth of all the neighboring nations will be captured. Great quantities of gold and silver and fine clothing. Uh, this same plague will strike the horses, mules, camels, donkeys, and all the other animals in the enemy camp. So basically this describes the walking dead. This describes a zombie thing. Um, my favorite, th so I really love Revelation and end time stuff. And this is not talking about any time soon. This is talking about end time stuff. So like after uh, the rapture, before the rapture, however you work this out, regardless, Revelation type stuff is what is being talked about here. And if you look through it, and this is why I love it, you can kind of reason through things, but that's still not the definite answer. Um, you talk about people with rotting flesh and all of this, and that's kind of like what would probably happen after nuclear stuff happened. But it talks about people at each other's throat, and it talks about basically zombies kind of going after people. And so all of this stuff, and everybody's like, what? This is not something that happens. This is not something we want to face. Um, this is not God saying, you know what? I really want to freak people out. And you know what? I really want people to have this negative thing to look forward to. This is God saying, listen, I don't want you to go through this, but this is what's going to happen because the world is chaos and everything is going in this direction and you have to get your lives together. You have to stand up for each other because when you're fighting each other, when you're hating each other, when you're living like the world, when you're not living like Jesus, uh, you're going towards this. Um, I mentioned the rapture. Rapture, if you don't know, is basically the end times idea that all of the Christians, everybody who follows Jesus will be taken up to heaven. Um, there are a lot of people who believe that happens before all the bad stuff in Revelation. There are a lot of people that believe it happens in the middle. There are a lot of people that believe it happens at the end. None of that matters. What matters is the reason for that is God will always take care of his people. And so he's saying this again, not to be like, hey, guys, if you watch The Walking Dead, one day that's going to happen. Uh, and, and so be scared and run to me because you're scared. He's saying the opposite. He's like, guys, listen. If you are running around with gasoline in your hands 
and you're running into a house that's on fire, you're making it worse. Uh, somebody used to tell me, I, I believe it was Pastor Dan who I knew, um, said that everybody, every person carries around a bucket of water and a bucket of gasoline. And when you go into any situation, you pour one or the other on it. So like if somebody comes to you and they're talking bad about somebody or somebody comes to you and they're spreading rumors or gossip or somebody comes to you and they're insulting people or somebody comes to you and it's hateful, you can throw gasoline on that and make it worse. And you can join right in and you can feel really cool because you're making someone else feel crappy. You can feel really cool because you're making somebody else like feel awful and you're like, hey, I'm above them now. But that's not right. So you take the water and you throw it out there and you're like, hey, we got to stop this. Uh, we can't do like this. And so that's what God is saying here. Again, he's saying a scary thing, but he's not saying it to scare us. He's saying this stuff's going to happen and it's going to happen to anyone who doesn't pay attention. And so he's not saying be scared, come to me. He's saying come to me so you don't have to be scared. And you see the difference there because that's God's love. And that's for anybody, anybody to come to him, to change their lives and come to him. And then so we get to the next part where this kind of thing sort of happened, but not exactly. And so this is Matthew 27, 45 through 56. This is a passage you've probably heard or parts of a passage you've probably heard a million times. Um, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, uh, Lima, Sabachthara, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsake, abandoned me, forsaken me? Um, some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Uh, so this is from the crucifixion. Uh, we usually talk about this, this Easter, but one of the things that I like is to talk about it whenever, because it's an important event. It's the most important event in our lives, in our history, where Jesus died for our sins. And why he's yelling out, God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Um, it's similar to where he's in the garden saying, God, if there's another way to do this, if there's another way to save people, let's do this. And it's not that he himself is like, I don't love people. It's the opposite. You see, Jesus loved us so much that he lived every day of his life as a sacrifice for us, setting an example for us, and that he allowed himself to go up on the cross to die for us. But also, he loved us so much, he wanted to be with us. Like, he loved being with the disciples and talking about God and healing people and helping people. He loved that. And so he knew the plan. He was part of the plan. He's God. And yet, he was also human. He had all of God, but he had all of humanity too. And so he felt like we feel. If we have something awful happening, we feel scared about it. Uh, if you have a review or an interview or a test coming up, even if you're fully prepared, even if you're fine with it, you have that little twinge of nervousness or whatever. And so Jesus, he loves us and he was never going to not die for us. That was part of his plan. That was part of his love. But he wanted to be with us. And so he's yelling out, God, why have you abandoned me? And also, this is the only time ever that he was in any way separated from God. And you can argue theologically how separated, but basically in order for him to die for us, and we don't often talk about this, and I've got, we'll get back to other stuff later. I don't often talk about this. In order for him to die for us, he had to take our sins on himself. He'd never sinned before. Uh, sinning is separating yourself from God. It's, it's going against God. Jesus had never sinned before. Like he was holy, he was perfect. He'd never done anything wrong. And so he was taking our sins on himself. And so for the first time, he felt that. He felt that, that guilt. He felt that, that abandonment of sin. He felt that 
destruction of sin for us. Like it wasn't his, but he still felt it. And so he's crying out in agony because he'd felt physical pain and he'd been tired and he'd been tempted and all of these things, but he'd never been separated from God in that way. He'd never felt that part of humanity because again, he'd never done anything wrong. And so this is hard. This is worse than, than the nails. This is worse than the beating. This is worse than anything. It's him feeling just this, this chaos, this death, this evil uh, on him. Now, obviously this was the plan and it's a different kind of judgment and it's a whole different thing and I could go about this theology for a long time. The point is, God didn't actually abandon him. We had abandoned God. And so Jesus was taking that for us to then fix it, to give us a chance to come back to him. See, God never went anywhere. Anytime people turn away from God, it's them making that decision. God's always there waiting. And so Jesus knew that, but he's crying out like we would, because again, he's setting this example and he's feeling what we feel. And the reason people are like, wait, is he calling for Elijah and blah, 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 because he's speaking in Hebrew. He's speaking in his natural language or his natural earthly language. Uh, at the time, there were other languages that people spoke. They spoke Aramaic, they spoke Greek and Latin and all of these different things. And so not everybody that was there understood Hebrew. They just heard him say, Eli, Eli, and they knew some of the prophecy. And sometimes a little bit of, da- uh, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. Uh, for example, when Seth goes to college and he takes Psychology 101, he's going to come back and be like, Rob, I know everything and how to fix your life. I can just really tell you all about this because I know everything. Because a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. And when you have a little bit of knowledge of psychology or a little bit of knowledge of language or whatever, you think you know more than you do because people were stupid sometimes. But anyway, I'll do it when I take AP good. Psych. That's right. AP Psych will be much better. Um, and so we go on to the next part. Uh, then Jesus shouted out again and, and released his spirit. Uh, at that moment, so Jesus' body is dead and his spirit is gone. So it's just a, a shell hanging there now. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. So, zombies, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, I want to start with this because this is an important part. So, the reason the curtain tore into, this is one of my favorite parts of this story. Obviously, the resurrection is great, and it's important, and the crucifixion is vital. But this part here is more important than most people realize. Uh, I mean pastors get it and like a lot of people get it but I'm saying like it's more important than most of us talk about so he dies he dies completely uh his body is bereft of spirit like his body is dead just like anybody else in here would die his spirit went on uh and so death complete death like not a fake not a trick not almost dead like dead completely and as soon as he died uh kind of the I guess the way to say it would be the earth kind of broke in a way because uh, a, there was like this tremendous release of power because that shell was holding all of God's glory and all of this power that was just immediately released. And that's why there's like these resurrections and just like the earth is going through crazy stuff. Um, so when the garden happened, like when the, the, the Adam and Eve stuff happened, uh, that is why we have, that goes into free will, but it also goes into why there are storms and why people lose their homes to fires and all this stuff because the earth was also corrupted because weather, for lack of a better term, has free will and etc. And so at this point, like God, his release of powers, release of soul, this sacrifice, it affected everything. It was like this little nuclear bomb of, of God power going off. And so the curtain tore. 
But this wasn't an accident. This wasn't something that just randomly happened. Uh, in these times, like when the, the Jewish church, the synagogue, the way that they talked to God is they would basically tie a rope around the holy person, the one that would pray to God, uh, and then he would go back behind this curtain and he would take everybody's prayers and everybody's concerns and everybody's requests and everybody's sins back there to go to God and pray to him. And they had the Ark of the Covenant, which you probably heard from the Bible or Indiana Jones. And um, so he had uh, that, that guy would go back there. And the reason for the rope is if he wasn't living up to par, if he wasn't practicing what he preached, uh, the holiness of God would strike him down, basically. And so the rope would pull him back and you'd get another one, etc. But people couldn't, like if, uh, for example, if I'm a Pharisee, if I'm a rabbi, uh, none of you can pray to God yourself. Like you don't even think to because that's just not what it is. Like you have to come to me. And that's part of why the Pharisees kind of hated Jesus because like he was like, no, you can go to God yourself. Anyway, so everybody had to go behind the curtain. So people couldn't just stop. Like if you're, you're about to have a test, you're like, dear, dear Lord, help me. If you're about to have something horrible happen, dear Lord, help me at night, day, whenever you pray, like you know you can pray whenever and it's awesome. But in these days, at this time, with that uh, religion, you couldn't. You had to go to the priest, and that's just what you did. And so that curtain tearing was God saying, Jesus taking your sins isn't the only thing that's happening. Like what Jesus said, that's now the thing. You can pray yourselves. Like you can build this relationship yourself. You can have me yourself. You can come straight to me. You don't have to worry uh, about being struck down in that way. You don't have to go to a priest, a pastor. Uh, now, pastors and priests and everything, they're... they're for different reasons, and they teach, and they help, and they read the Bible, uh, they counsel with you, all of those things, but you don't need Tim or Julie or me or, or, or any of the adults to pray. Like, it's wonderful. We love praying with you, and it's awesome, and people can pray with you and pray for you, but you can do it yourself. You can talk to God anytime, and that's such an amazing thing. And so that's what that tearing of the curtain did. It made Christianity, Christianity, like it made all of this better. And then, like, with the, the nuclear bomb of his power going off, He'd resurrected people. He was about to resurrect. And so, like, that power kind of brought back some dead. Uh, now, this is the only time it's mentioned. Matthew's the only one that wrote about it. Um, people have studied it for a long time. But most of the people that witnessed this, other than myself, are gone now. Because it's a long time ago, 2,000 years ago. And so, not a lot of people... No, thanks. Not a lot of people know everything about this because we just don't. Because there's this random line after this important line, after this vital moment. But... It's not like when Jesus came back. Uh, it's not like when Lazarus came back. This is just people kind of, their bodies being reanimated. Uh, probably, maybe We don't even know if it's by their own uh, spirits, if it's by whatever we don't know. They just walked. And so this ties in to what I just read about the, the zombie stuff at the end times uh, for obvious reasons. But also, one of the things that is really cool as you look through the Bible, as you read the Gospels, as you look at what God said in the Old Testament and in the New Testament... Um, I'm a writer, try to be. Uh, one of the things in writing that you talk about in your English classes is foreshadowing. Where like, there's a saying, there's Chekhov's gun. Who knows what Chekhov's gun is? Probably good. So there's something called Chekhov's gun. And so that's from a writer and a book and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to bore you there. Uh, but it's, yeah, but it's because a gun was mentioned in the first chapter. And then at the end of the book, the gun came back and was important. Um, if you watch a movie, if you watch a TV show, if you read a book that is well done, not something that's not like, DC or Batman or something, but something that's well done. Uh, Rosebud. That's right, exactly. Uh, Rosebud from Citizen Kane. Like something that is well done, something that is good, a book that you read in school or whatever. Um, there are going to be things mentioned in the first few chapters that come back at the end because it all makes sense. God does that too. 
not to make the Bible like this literary work of art, although it is, but to give us this chance to look at what's coming and to kind of try to understand it ourselves. It's like when he told the parables to the disciples and he's like, you have to find this wisdom for yourself. Like you have to really look. And that's for us too. Like you can look through the Bible. That's why there are theologians. That's why there's pastors. That's why people study the Bible so that we can find all these. Doesn't mean you're going to have all the answers because people are going to disagree. But it means like this, where he's talking about the end times with the zombies and like the people hating each other and fighting. And then after his resurrection, he's kind of like calling back to that to be like, God's like, guys, this is kind of like the halfway point, not literally the halfway point in terms of time. Don't try to figure out that in 2000 years, blah, blah, blah. But like, this is kind of like halftime. You guys have to get right. You're getting this chance. The curtain's being torn. Jesus is taking your sins. It's a fresh start. You have this fresh start. And this is what's going to happen if you don't. Like, there's going to be just chaos and death and all of these things. And so follow me. And it's such an amazing time for him to do that as everything is chaotic. And again, it's not to scare us. It's to show us love. It's to show us hope. It's to show us a way forward. It's to show us that that's not what our future has to be. Um, last part of the scripture. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said this man truly was the son of God. And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of G James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Um, so basically this is just to say that imagine being there at this moment. Like, forget the fact that the dead are rising. Forget the fact that the curtain's tearing. Imagine being there as all of this is happening because Jesus just died. And so you have Mary Magdalene and the disciples who are kind of watching from afar, just broken because they know that this is right. They know who he was. But you also have like the Roman officers and the Pharisees and other people, whether they admitted it to others or not, in that moment, in that moment, they knew they were wrong. The, most, the hardest thing in the world for most people, including maybe even especially Christians, to admit to sometimes is when you're wrong. Because we don't like to lose that face. We don't like to feel that shame. We don't like to, to be told you're not perfect. Uh, and so in that moment, the one soldier is like, man, I screwed up. Like this, Jesus was legit. And so that's another reason that all of this happened. It was kind of like confirmation. It was kind of just this moment. It was this night of, of the living dead. It was this night of Jesus going for us to take our punishment. And it was this night of all of these crazy things happening that you see in horror movies, these crazy things happening that you read in books, that you hear about. But in that moment, one person, and probably others, hopefully others, saw Jesus. And others were like, we got to stand up. We got to do more. That's what the point is of this. That's what we take. That's why we talk about the resurrection. That's why we talk about the crucifixion. Everybody knows this story by now. Even if you've never been in a church before, people know if you're like, hey, uh, do you know what happened to Jesus? They'll be like, he died. Like he died on a cross. They may not believe or know fully the resurrection, but they know this story. But we talk about it, not so we can all memorize it, although that's good, but so that we can realize, hey, this was for us. This was to give us a chance to go straight to him. This was for, to give us a chance to rise again. This was to give us a chance for our dead lives to become alive lives. This was to give us a chance to see Jesus. This was to give us a chance to realize that he did this for us. He loves us so much that even though there's a lot of horrific chaos on the horizon and that the world is always going to be scary and crazy, that following him gives us a way through that, a way together through that. That's another thing that's important about youth group and about church. It gives us a chance to be together, to build a community, to be here. Um, different churches have different feelings about Halloween. I personally think Halloween is cool. 
Uh, I like it. I think that it's fun to dress up, although it's all expensive the older you get. But um, it, it's fun to do stuff like that. But it's important to remember that that's still just something we do here. It's something that's fun and good. Have fun. Get candy. All of this stuff. But it's part of our lives here. But if we follow Jesus, as we follow Jesus, one day we're going to have this chance to kind of party all the time. Are there holidays in, he in heaven? Probably not the same. Is there Halloween in heaven? Probably not the same. Can you dress up? I don't know. Maybe. You're not going to really care that much. But the point is you're going to have this chance to have no more pain, no more agony, no more forsakenness, no more abandonment, no more worry about zombies or about anything else. Uh, but you're going to be able to do it by following him because that curtain was torn for us. The dead rose again for us. Jesus died for us. All of this was our chance to stand up and be like, okay, let's do better. Let's help people better. Let's love people better. Let's be better. And that's why we are here. That's why I talk at all. Uh, that's why I have love God and love others above the doors because that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, we're not going to agree on everything. We don't have to agree on everything, but we have to love each other and respect each other and help each other to do our best to set examples for him and to show people who he is. And that doesn't matter how old you are, where you are, how many people are here. You can do that because we all are together in this because that curtain tore and because we have that relationship with him. That's all I got.